The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. It's Sarah Burke here, and this is the Women in Media podcast. I have been wanting to speak to today's guest for quite some time. It was quite obvious that they were moving me to fire me. It was only a year contract, so they mm. wanted to make sure that they were discontinuing my time on that morning show, but they were going to give me a year contract in another department, a third less the salary. So I said, well, no, I, that's not something that I do. And he said, well, if you don't take the job, you terminate it which I was anyway. And he said, I suggest you think about it because it's a good transition for a woman your age. She is a widely recognized Canadian television personality. She's best known for her long-term role on breakfast television in Toronto. She's also been the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette Canada After Show on the W Network and been a co-host on a popular Toronto morning show, Q107. My guest today is Jen Valentine. Oh, thank you for coming into my home. Hey, if that's what it takes to get a conversation with you, cool. I feel like we've become friends over the last few months. We totally have. There's definitely a connection. You're easy to connect with. Aw, uh, But you. I never leave the house. So I said, I don't go anywhere anymore. So you have to I mean, come over. You got two sure SM7Bs, which is the cream of the crop <laughs> in uh, podcasting. I'm like, fine. You don't have to twist my arm. So you haven't really done like podcasts or that kind of stuff over no. the last year. Why'd you say yes? Like ever, right? I do a podcast with my daughter, but not where I'm interviewed. I think the last time was seven years ago. And I like you. Yeah. So, um, of course I said yes. And you made it so convenient. You said, I'll come over and you make me feel comfortable. Well, thank you for trusting me with your story um, because I know it hasn't been an easy time for you over the last few years. Um, I want to go back to last May. So it's May, 2022. I've left my job a few months before this. Mm -hmm. I'm in this really fragile, vulnerable place, probably a little depressed about how it went out. And then over May 2 for a long weekend, I'm sitting at the cottage with mom and dad. Um, and my mom has followed you for a long time on Aww. Facebook. She says, hey, sir, come here. Jen Valentine just posted this. My mom was the one who showed me that video, actually. And as soon as we watched the video, within moments, I had tears falling down my face. And it's not that our stories are the same. They're not. But there's so many elements in there that I think any woman could identify with. Why did you choose to share that video over May 2 for a long weekend a year ago? You know, I'm glad you said that because I really felt that this wasn't my story, that this was every woman's story. And if you notice, I don't say I or me a lot through that post um, because I really did feel like every woman will be able to relate to this. I didn't know it was going to be on May 2-4 weekend. I didn't know when it was going to be. I knew I was going to speak up, but I just didn't know when. So I had been writing things down for over a year. That's exactly how I did my out too. I love, <laughs> I love the pen and the paper or like, you know, the little notepad. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's exactly what I did. I, it just was never the right time. There was too much going on in the world. Like we had been through so much with a pandemic, a war, but I knew that I would wake up one day and say, today is the day. And that's exactly how it happened. I woke up and I said to my husband, today's the day that I want to talk about this because it's living inside of me and it, it has to come out. I knew that it had to be right then. And then I just, I did it. Well, by the time that everyone was back in the workplace after that long weekend, the story was making national headlines, as you know. Uh, we will get into that story, but I think what's important for people to understand about you and your story is that wasn't the first time. You have been through things like this before. 
And most women in this business have. Yes, they have. We just don't talk about it. Right. Because we want to work. We want to keep our jobs. And once you start talking and once you start complaining, you could get get fired. You might not get a job. So we just, listen, women just want to work. We just want to do a great job, make some money, feed our kids, pay our bills, and to live a good life. So let's backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually been learning a lot about your career because we're from different From gen- your mom. <laughs> yeah. We're from different generations. And I also think that's why this conversation is going to be really interesting yes. for people to take in. Um, so your broadcasting career started at Much Music. You hustled your way in there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got in? When I started Much Music, you were being born. You were in your mom's tummy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I went to school for broadcasting. Centennial College, right? Centennial College. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do growing up. I thought I wanted to be a truck driver, believe it or not. I watched a show called BJ and the Bear. Your mom will probably know all about that show. And uh, Greg Evigan was a truck driver and he had a monkey as a sidekick and it looked like so much fun. So that's what I thought I was going to do. And this is when I was really young. And then when I started to, you know, get older and going through my teen years, my mom, unfortunately, got cancer and we found out that she was terminal. So I didn't really tell a lot of friends at school because I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want the sympathy. And so I kind of kept it to myself, which really affected my grades. Uh, It affected my whole life, our whole family. And um, I was struggling. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And my mom, as sick as she was, uh, she went out to colleges and found pamphlets on different programs. She came home and she said, listen, I, I found this program and it's called Radio and Television Broadcasting. And if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. You could not only be in front of the camera if that's what you want, but behind the scenes, produce, direct, write. Like there's so, so much creativity in this program. So together we went to different colleges and tour and discussion days. And I applied. I only applied to Centennial and I got in. She got to see me go into my first semester. And then unfortunately she passed away and you know, it made our family very close. And I wish, you know, I always think, could she see me? Could she, you know, but I really felt that she was with me throughout my career. And um, it was sad, but she really sort of changed my life and helped me with my path. And she knew me. She knew me. You know, I did acting in school. I love drama, improv. Yeah, all that that stuff. stuff. I took Second City and you know your daughter. Yeah. (laughs) So would you say that maybe um, her influence on you put you in that confident place when it was time to go get a job at Say Much Music? I think so. And I've always manifested, closed my eyes and thought, where do I want to be? And I knew I wanted to be at Much Music. I watch Much Music, Steve yeah. Anthony, Erica M., Michael Williams, Christopher Ward. I wanted to be a part of that. So You're I start- smiling so hard even just talking about it right now. I know. It was best just the best time. Best time of my life. I met all my best friends. We were young. We were wild and free and, you know, going to concerts every weekend. Oh. And bands were like Bon Jovi. They were right there in the studio and I was doing computer graphics and he'd be right behind me. So I started doing volunteering. So I got a volunteer position through Centennial College. And I volunteered there on weekends, getting coffee, pulling tapes, ordering lunch. And then they put me on TV sometimes, you know, they put me in a promo. It was great. Like everybody was on TV there. You didn't have to be a personality. Uh, You could be the 
production assistant. You could be the person working at the front desk. Uh, and it was just the coolest place to work in the world. So I was there for a couple of years and then I got a placement. I did work at CTV for a while at a show called Lifetime with Peter Feniak okay. uh, years ago. And he was lovely. I had a great experience. Uh, I worked in agent court and I ran scripts. I did sort of like the same sort of thing. I got people snacks. I picked up people from the airport. I did whatever needed to be done. I was a unit assistant. So that was a great experience too, but the show didn't continue. And I was lucky enough to obtain a full-time job at Much Music doing computer graphics and stayed there for another three years. So five years in total. And okay. it was it was great. Wanted to be a VJ. How do you, know? you transition from graphics to VJ? So they didn't always have an opening for a VJ. This was very rare. So I applied and sent my resume over to the producer and then he had a chat with me and he he uh, pulled me to the side and I was pretty excited. I put a little demo tape together and everything and I thought I had a good chance. And he said, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I don't see you as a VJ. Is this the first no in this your is, career? This is a big no. And this is not only a no, this was... This was a big dose of reality and negativity. And I just really realized how this business works. I said, thank you for looking at my demo tape. But you know, at least I work at a station where there's City TV, there's Bravo. There were so many other opportunities. I could be a reporter for the news. And um, I said that to him. And he said, no, 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 I'm sorry. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm telling you that I don't think you have what it takes to be on air in any aspect. I don't think this That's is the right career. It was hard to hear, but I thought I was doing some on-air stuff already. So I was producing a segment called Much Happenings, a behind-the-scenes look at much music. I was doing some other on-air stuff. I thought that was really harsh. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I do think I have what it takes. And if it's not here at much, I, I'm sure it will be somewhere else, hopefully in this company. But what that did is it gave me courage, the courage that I didn't know I had. So when a negative experience happens to you like that, and we've talked about this, about turning negatives into positives. Oh, yeah. And I've tried to do this my whole life. And what it inspired me to do was to phone the president and creator <laughs> of City TV and Much Music, Moses Neimer, and say, I never would have done this and just said, I need to meet with you. So he said, sure, come and meet with me. He had an open door policy. He was, he was like that. So I went in and um, I just said, I really want to be a VJ. And he said he really felt that City TV was a play, was his theater production. So everyone had to be so different. And back in the day, you would see this. Everybody sort of had their own originality. So he said to me, what makes you different from everyone else? The same question applies today. And I had to think of what character I played. He said, what character are you playing? I said, Moses. And I had one second to think. I said, I think I'm the girl next door. He liked that. So he goes, okay. He said, I'm going to let you be VJ for a day. One day, he let me be VJ, which was amazing. How so, did that go with other boss? It didn't go very well at all. <laughs> okay. When he had to come up to me and say, apparently Moses wants to see you. But you know what was great about it? Other people got the chance to be VJ for a day. It wasn't only me. It was other people who had applied. We all got a you shift. opened a door. I opened a door. And wasn't that great? Just try it out. It's one day of programming. One day. So after the shift, he calls me up and I'm thinking, you know, what's he going to say? I was nervous. I talked really fast. I went up to his, his office and he said, I'm sorry, I don't see you as a VJ. <laughs> I said, okay. And, <sighs> you know, I, I was going to accept this. He said, but I do see you on morning television. I see you on breakfast television. 
So I looked at him and I said, breakfast television. I said, Moses, I go to bed at four. I don't get up at four. (laughs) (laughs) So he said that this was a stepping stone. This was going to be, I had to get approval from the producer though. This was his thoughts. So I had to go through a whole process where I had to do a little bit of an audition and he ultimately made the decision whether I was going to be on the show. And he put me on the show as the singing weather girl. I sang the weather. That's how I started in this business. So you either loved it or you hated it. There was a band on the show every day. I would pull them to the side and I would say, uh, do you know Crazy by Patsy Cline? And if they did, I'd say, okay, it's cloudy today. So then I would go on air and I, the band would be behind me. Cloudy today. It will be very cloudy sunshine. Um, Good pipes. We're going to have sunshine <laughs> later today. Like something along those lines. And then I did Live Eye and stayed there for 23 years. 23 years. Yes. You've said this before to me. That was your family. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I grew up on, like I was there for a total of 28 years. So 23 years on the show. But yeah, work is family. It doesn't feel like a family when you you're get lucky kicked when you out. Get of, it. Yeah, you're in the family until you're not in the family <laughs> anymore. Um, but, you know, it's a harsh reality. And, you know, everyone... A lot of people get fired at some point. We don't all make it to retirement these days with a nice pension and a and a gold watch. Right. Uh, it doesn't really happen, especially in this day and age. But it definitely was a family. These were people that I grew up with. So it, it's hard when you've been working at a place your whole entire life. There's benefits, but then there's downfalls. When you move around, you don't get a chance to become... You have family everywhere. You know people everywhere. And you network and you the move up. The attachment's different. The attachment is completely different when mm-hmm. you have stayed somewhere, you know, over half your life. So 2015, 2016, that's when... Right. That's when Breakfast Television and you came to a close. <laughs> we did. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> Uh, it was strange. You know how you feel something in your gut? There's, you know. Something wrong. And we know as women, it's like I knew. Now, don't forget, new people come into companies all the time. We had a new vice president. We had a new president. When you have a new boss, people like to change things up. It's almost like they like to put their rubber stamp on it. People feel like they have to earn their salary. Like, what am I here for? If this show runs itself, I got to do something. So there's that. And people have their own ideas, their own idea about who they want to see in this role. So there's there's a whole other world going on that maybe we don't think about as on-air people. For sure. But I, I felt it. And people were talking. And I remember I said to my husband, I think that there is something going on. And he was trying to encourage me to go in and talk to management. If I can give anybody any advice... If you're working for a company, there's no problem in meeting with your producer, with a vice president for a coffee, for lunch, letting them know what you've brought to the table and what you're going to bring, what you plan to bring to that company over the next three to six months. Because they don't know. They don't know what you bring to the table maybe until you are fired. And then they go, oh, wow. They only know the highlight reel, really, even when when it's about the good work. When it's about the good work. They're too busy. They're doing their other things. So they have to rely on the people under them who rely on the people under them. Like there's a chain of command. So it's something that I never did. I never, I don't know why I didn't do it. I always thought that people knew how much I did, how hard I worked. So I would suggest that to the younger generation or to people in, you know, I would suggest that to anyone. So... I did think that maybe I was safe at the company because it was a well-oiled machine. We were number one. The ratings were up. Um, yeah, you're usually not worried if the, ratings are good. <laughs> the show made a lot of money. Um, 
But it happened on April Fool's. A lot of people know because yeah. it kind of became a news story because they announced it on April Fool's, but it actually happened on Easter weekend. What happened was I came home. My kids were just coming home from school. There was a snowstorm. We were going into Easter weekend. It was the Thursday late afternoon and the phone rang and it was a lawyer. And I knew immediately. Mm. I knew instantly um, what it was about, you know. And he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. He said, I have some bad news. And I went, oh my God, I started crying right away. And he said, I'm sorry, but your position is being eliminated on the show. And I came back with, it's impossible. That position, although it was a community position, also made a lot of money. It generated a lot of money for the station. Because as we know, and maybe people from the public don't know, you could be going out and doing a story, a community story, and it might be paid for. And you may be at a clothing store and they have paid a sales department for you to be there. And you know your job is to make it look like it is a community story. And a lot of them were community stories, but there were sales shows mixed in with that. And, and the live eye, the portion that I did was kind of a show within a show. So it was kind of together with BT, but it was separate as well. I couldn't understand because why were they canceling a segment that made a lot? It just didn't make any sense, you know? Right. So I had said that I wanted to talk to somebody from the company and they had said no, that they wanted to go through him. And, but there was good news in all of this. And I said, well, what's the good news? And he said, well, they want to offer you another job. And I went, well, what's the other job? And I've never told anybody what the other job is. People have asked me, but it doesn't matter what the other job is because I said it's not something that I do. And it was quite obvious that they were moving me to fire me. It was only a year contract. So they mm. wanted to make sure that they were discontinuing my time on that morning show, but they were going to give me a year contract in another department a third less the salary. Feels like a phase out. I knew it was a phase out. And the thing is, if I was younger, I wouldn't know that it was a phase out because I am now 48. I have seen women before me, so many women right. uh, go through the same thing. So I knew it was a phase out. So I said, well, no, I, that's not something that I do. And he said, well, if you don't take the job, you terminate it which I was anyway. And he said, I suggest you think about it because it's a good transition for a woman your age. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry, I get really angry hearing that. So this is coming from a man who was a lawyer and who's much older than me and still doing the job that he was trained for. So how dare him say that to me? It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it.
Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. And my age has been brought up many times over my career, and it's just something that we have put up with. Are things changing? I don't know if they are. But back in the day, like coming right out and mentioning my age, like I had mentioned it in the post that I did, Um, about somebody saying I was 34 years old and that I was lucky to have a job that most women my age are at the door in this business. Right. I was 34. So I've been thinking about my age since I was 34, but really having this man say this really affected me. So I was smart enough to say I would think about it because what I wanted to say was something far different. And I hung up the phone and I broke down. My kids came in, they had to see it. And You know what? They've also seen me rebuild too. So they've seen me at my worst and they've seen me rebuild. And I just, you know, that whole weekend, I literally looked at myself in the mirror, like in the mirror going, do I look old? I kept questioning, like maybe I am old, but is this what they wanted to do to make me go to another position? So it would be my idea. And they didn't have to tell everyone that I was fired. So that weekend was spent just gathering my stuff. Like I went into work and I think, you know, I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't really crazy. I just got my stuff together. I left like a present on my producer's desk. to Oh my God. The fact that you even thought of that when you're going through that. Because I'm gone, right? Like I knew, like they're thinking I'm thinking about this job. I didn't think about it for one second. I am not thinking about a position that is a good transition for a woman my age. And um, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. Sunday night, I get the phone call from the lawyer saying, they want you to go in tomorrow. I said, for what? I'm fired. He goes, no, no, no. They want you to go in and they're going to celebrate your career all week. And then at the end of the week, you're going to tell them where you're going. And, you know, yay, everybody's going to (laughs) celebrate. I said, okay. I wasn't going to do that, but I wanted to talk to somebody from my work. So I went in, did the show crying in between segments everybody was wondering what was going on the crew was like what the heck yeah at the end of the show i managed to snap a selfie of myself and my crew because i wanted to have this memory and you could see the tears in my eyes and then finally my boss called me and then i you know i had no pride there's no pride here i'm crying like please don't fire me please please is there anything i can do it's kind of like the stages that you have grief that you go through when somebody dies like the first is bargaining like you don't you're in denial right? right i'm in denial i think i could talk them into letting me stay. (laughs) They've already made the decision, honey, you are gone. So I am, you know, trying, and he is just, you know, nope, sorry, this is it. You're going to be great over there though. We're going to, that's going to be amazing. They think that still think I'm taking the job. So I said, I'm going to give them my answer on the Friday. I'm going to tell them on Friday. He goes, what do you mean? Why do you, you, you have to think about this? Why are you thinking about this? I said, well, this is the first time I'm speaking to somebody from the company. And then I get a phone call from the president in the other department. And he's very excited 
that I may be moving there. And he's trying to convince me how great it's going to be. And then he says, and we're around the same age, aren't we? And I'm thinking, what does that matter? And he says, this will be good for you. So here is another man mentioning my age. What does that matter? Meanwhile, I had to get a lawyer. I'm still buying time, though. In my mind, I still think I could talk them into letting me stay. (laughs) So I go in the next day. I'm doing another live. I'm with Melanie Ng, and she's just had a baby, and she's on mat leave. And I'm there, and I'm holding her beautiful son and giving him back to her and going in her bathroom and crying and then going. Like, it was a disaster. (laughs) And then then I remember I, I got a lawyer. Like, very quickly, I was like, can you be my lawyer? And I said, listen, I said, I'm supposed, I was going to wait till Friday to tell them, but I can't wait tomorrow after the show. I'm going to leave. You got to phone them. You got to tell them I can't do this anymore. This is unprofessional. Everybody's seeing me crying. They don't know what's going on. Right. So that night I went into the station and I cleared up my desk a little bit more. And then I remember I was alone on that floor and I, I grabbed an apple. They had this community area where they had this bowl of fresh fruit and I took an apple and I remember biting the apple and I yelled out of the top of my lungs see ya city and then I drove home I slept for the very first time got up made myself a cup of tea and then went into location and it was the Harlem Globetrotters and a bunch of kids and it was so awesome we were great playing last b- day great last day I went out on my own terms I didn't cry and I told my crew told them I loved them, that I was fired. And I didn't really say anything. I just went out on my own terms. So I just said, the best live eyes are the ones with kids. And I love these kids, the Harlem Globetrotters. And I just want everyone at home to know, I love all of you. And I blew a kiss. It was like a subliminal almost for viewers. It was. And not Mm. many viewers picked up on it, but some did. Some messaged me and said, hmm. Now I know that was your goodbye. And then my lawyer called and said, yeah, she's not taking your job. And you can tell everybody you fired her. And then for whatever reason, I will never understand ever in a million years who made this decision. But, you know, the next day they didn't announce it. The next day was April Fool's. So I said to my husband, oh, shoot, because I wanted the Band-Aid ripped off. I just wanted to move on with my life. I didn't think anybody would care. So don't forget, I'm being told that I am old. Yep. And that, you know, they're just going to hire somebody else. Everybody's going to forget about me and life is going to move on. And I'm never going to get another job any, anywhere because <laughs> I passed my prime. So the next day it was the April Fool's. And I said, you know, I, they can't make the announcement today. So now I have to wait till Monday. Like I said, I just want the Band-Aid ripped off. And sure enough, they, um, for whatever reason, made the announcement, but not on television. They made it on social media. I didn't realize how awesome that was at the time because I thought, <laughs> they don't even care. They didn't even announce it on the show. They you announced it. As a, I felt completely slighted. But then it went viral and then it went crazy. And then that night I sent my own post out and then everybody started. So my Facebook page went up 35,000 in a weekend. <laughs> and um, it kind of started things off for me. And my post went viral. I spent the weekend in my pajamas answering all these emails. Monday, they did announce it on the show. And they took that post off their Facebook page, hoping that it would go away. And on the Monday, I thought, well, they're going to have to hire me back. Look at the outcry. I phoned the lawyer and I said, do they just want me to go back in and everything, (laughs) everything will just be the way it was. You know, we'll just pretend this whole thing didn't happen. He goes, they don't want you back. Get on with your life, sign your papers, and then move on and find yourself another job. 
Okay, thanks. I, I, I needed somebody to just say, no, it's not going to happen. Give yourself a slap. I was devastated. Like I went through a major depression as a lot of people do who've been working at a company for 28 years. How did you get through that? Um, I don't even know. You what know, were like, your tools at the time? Because like even people, the way they talk about, let's say therapy and mental health mm-hmm. now was yeah. still very different at that time. Friday Night Lights. Best show. Wasn't that the best show? I love that show. That's honestly coach taylor got us through yes i okay so i had to get this dental surgery done in eight weeks or it didn't get paid for so i'm like okay let's get this dental surgery done you get the good drugs i get the good drugs so i get this this drug called oxycodone you know about this drug not really it's the best okay don't take it it's addictive people are addicted to this stuff okay okay and i remember taking this oxycodone and saying to my husband i don't care if i ever work again if i have oxycodone every single day of my life life is good and even to the point where i when i ran out my girl i said to my girlfriend i said i don't know what i'm gonna do without this oxycodone she goes well, my son has some he didn't take it from a dental surgery do you want his i go yes i want his ox how bad is this you didn't even realize the state you were in i wasn't eating Oh man! I don't really drink. I love to make people drinks and you'll see that on social media, but I don't really drink myself. It's very rare. Even if I maybe at like a celebration or maybe, but, but, but not really. I started drinking like every day I would have a little bit of vodka in my orange juice in the morning. Mm. Um, I had lost an unhealthy amount of weight and people were saying, you know, Oh, how great I looked. But, um, in actuality, I was, I was pretty sick and, um, didn't know how I was going to function. I said to my husband, I said, I'm never going to be happy again. But here's where, and you've said this to me before, Mm -hmm. um, when we've been talking over the last few months, every terrible thing that happens to you, you can turn it into something good. Completely. What was the turning point? Um, I think to realize that to have self-respect Mm-hmm. and to believe in myself because I don't really think I ever believed in myself. I really felt that I needed that show to be somebody. I don't know what I it was. I understand that so much. I R- felt like I was going to be nothing at- without being attached to a brand after I quit my job. You see, it's yeah. exactly the same feeling. Like, wh- who are you? I didn't know. No. A year ago, I didn't know. No. I feel like I know now. It takes a while, but then yeah. you find out who, exactly who you are. It doesn't mean I still want to go back. I still wanted to go back home. Don't forget I was there for 28 years. Yeah. I still had an attachment because I'd been there for so long. And, you know, it got really bad because they, the company was, I think, upset with me for not going along with their plan. We are going to have her on the show saying this was her idea. We're all going to celebrate. And then we're going to fire her later. Um, but I didn't go along with that. So I think it... It, it made them really angry. I'm here for 23 years of my life on this show, 28 years at the station. These are all my friends. I've grown up with them. They are 100% my family. So they were all called into a room and told by management that they weren't allowed to have me on their social media. So that doesn't say they That's couldn't. so controlling. Yes, and cruel. So I'm getting phone calls from people saying, so if we go out for lunch, we can't take a photo. Now, okay, fine. I can't be on their social media. It doesn't mean they can't hang out with me. But what message are you sending them? You're basically sending them in the message, like, don't have anything to do with her. I would be afraid. Like, I'm not allowed to have Sarah on my social media. Maybe I shouldn't even hang out with Sarah. Like, I was even at a media event and somebody from the show just happened to be in the background of a photo I was taking. And they were called into a room. They phoned me up and said that they were called into a room and said, why are you in this photo with her? What is this, the Panopticon? Like, come on. That's how serious it was. And they were saying, I didn't even know she was taking a photo and I was in the background. That's 
the level. how ridiculous it got and how does that make me feel like a complete outcast like a criminal really like, like a criminal i had lost everyone then even to the point where guests on the show like i remember going to a concert with one of the guests and they didn't know and i said i don't really want you to post a photo of us together and they were like why and i said i just don't want this to hurt your career but how much would that hurt right some people said they didn't care, but I'm grateful that uh, for the people that reached out and said, have you showered today? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And there were a lot of people at the station who did do that. And I don't hold it against anyone who didn't because you're in fear of what the company and might the do and the repercussions. Yes. So, and what I thought was really unfair, it wasn't only unfair to me, my dog wants to have a little <laughs> the dog time with you. <laughs> of all times. Time. I know. We needed um, this. That she knew that we were having a moment. She did. She likes you. <laughs> um, but I, not only was it unfair to me, but it was unfair to the employees. It was unfair for them to put them in that position. And not only was I hurting, but I know it hurt them. And it hurt the show because people started to become negative towards the show. And people were giving their negative comments because they were angry. And it could have been any one of us. It wasn't just yeah. Jennifer Valentine. It was... Look at Lisa LaFlamme and what just happened. Yes. You know what? It just, it didn't have to go that way. That's, that's it the didn't silliest have to go that part. Way. And I think no. about, I talked a little bit about my out um, at my former company on mm -hmm. um, a recent episode. And hey, go look that up if you want to listen to it. But it doesn't have to be this dramatic on the out. Like most no. people are decent people. Mm -hmm. And can we just be like straight up with each other, transparent about what's about to happen and maybe give a little more credit to the viewers or the audience because they're not dumb. They are not dumb, but yeah. they still try to fool them. They know exactly what it was. And so many women reached out. And then also silver lining was the women who reached out with their stories of ageism. But what they were going through, people really opened up about their lives, about their families, and that they were going through cancer or, you know, they had lost a loved one to cancer. And I found myself fully engaged in their lives. Like I'm looking up their pages on Facebook and I just said, wow, oh, big deal. I lost my job. Who cares? It just really made me think about the bigger picture. So at what point did you start understanding like, wow, I should do something with this social following that I have suddenly got? When did you turn that into something? Uh, right away. Right away, I started to try to concentrate more on social. Social was just really sort of up and coming, especially with Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just Twitter anymore. Who knew that it was going to explode? But I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I had no idea. I am 48, just about to turn 49. Okay. And I am thinking I may never work in television again. I didn't have the strength. I was in such a deep, deep, deep depression that I didn't have enough strength to reach out. We've all done it. You reach out to somebody. Is there anything for me? Can we have a coffee? Yeah. yeah. Um, because sometimes there's a job you don't even know about the job. So you have to start reaching out. Oh, the out entire saying, last year of my life. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I didn't have enough strength for that. So I was a counselor for Camp Puchigayas, which is now Campfire Circle. It's a camp for kids with cancer. And I always wanted to do it, I think, because after my mom passed, I really just wanted to give back. So that's why I do so much volunteering. I think, yeah. I think after my mom passed, I was looking for this bigger purpose. I loved it. I love kids. So it was great for me. You know, I didn't have kids at that time. I was 29 years 
old when I was volunteering there. And Rebecca Danks, who is now Rebecca Shaw, she was one of my campers. And I've known her since she was a little girl. And now, you know, she's a mom, two kids. She's an adult. She'll still be a kid to me. (laughs) But I inspired her to take broadcasting. So she took broadcasting in school and she got a job at W. Uh, So she was working at W Network and she phoned me right away. And she said, oh my God, I can't believe what happened. Like, it's funny how things happen. They're looking for an after show host for The Bachelorette Canada. You're the perfect choice. This is a national show. I'm going to be live from Vancouver. And I am so afraid that I'm not going to get this because this is the only thing that I have right now. It's only nine weeks, but this is giving me hope. And we all need hope. And so um, finally the contract came in. Yeah. And I signed it immediately and I'm like, thank God. But I also want to say there's a million good things that we're not discussing because people don't want to hear all the wonderful things. I have had a wonderful career. I have had, you know, despite all the, you know, um, the misfortunes and I have had this amazing career, met amazing people and don't have regrets on that. So um, it hasn't been perfect, but you have to remember life isn't perfect. So I started W it gave me a chance to do some soul searching. So, you know, I was away from my family, flying to Vancouver, staying in this hotel by myself, but having that alone time, I didn't realize was how badly I needed that alone time. So while I was there, I knew, okay, this is only nine weeks. This ain't going to last, right? I need to work. So where am I going to work? Radio started calling. So I had worked in radio. I worked at Key 590, one of my first jobs. And I did some work for Chum and, you know, just little things here and there. I like radio, you know. Radio is a little harder than television because you really sort of have to rely on your voice. You know, you don't have that visuals. Like, look at how much stuff I'm doing right now with my or hands. Or like a teleprompter or, too. Or a teleprompter. Yeah. It's very spontaneous. You gotta be funny. I, thought, I think I'm funny. I think I'm you're funny. funny. I'm funny. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I said, you know, beggars can't be choosers. But, you know, if I was going to work at one radio station, I would love to work at Q107 because I listened to Q107 growing up and it's just like the coolest station. And I, and I love the crew that's on there. Like I listened in the mornings, like even though I went to live, I, on my way, I listened to those guys in the morning. So I said to my husband, it's too bad that they're not looking for somebody. And I knew Maureen wasn't with the show anymore. Maureen's amazing. And now I know her whole story and now she's a friend and I love her and her support and we support each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Maureen Holloway was not on the show anymore. I did not know the circumstances. And my husband just Googled it and he phoned me when I was in Vancouver. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, but they're looking for a host, a co-host on the show. I go, this is meant to be. So as you can tell, there's a lot more to unpack here. Jen, we're going to have to have a two-parter. Are you cool with continuing the conversation in the next episode? I am so cool with continuing this conversation. Thank you so much to Jen Valentine for being so open and sharing so much of her story already. There's more to come. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you know when that episode is out. If you're up for it, please leave a review. And we'll talk to you in just a few weeks' time. Thanks for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. 
We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.